TSCM, why does it matter for today's executive protection professional and what can they do to enhance their own skills? Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. This week, we're here with John Moss and Elijah Shaw, and we're going to meet Charles Patterson, president of Exec Security, longtime TSCM specialist in the industry. Uh, John, what, a, what an exciting topic, especially in a time of COVID where all these offices have been left empty. What, what are you looking forward to getting out of today? Very exciting, yeah. And it's a huge topic, one that is growing at such a fast pace. It's always been a big part of executive protection, protection of high net worths. But as we make keep making technological advances and the equipment keeps improving, we need to stay up to date at a faster pace than we ever have done. And we're all focusing on our physical skills. We're being preoccupied by the pandemic. And it's easy to take your eye off the ball a little bit on areas like this, especially if it doesn't feel like it's in your lane. So it's really great to have a guest who can share with us from their lane where they're totally focused and we can all learn more from that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see actually, Elijah, what, what are your thoughts on this as well? Okay, this is what I'm looking forward to. And I know I probably say that at the intro to a lot of our, our podcasts because I really do look forward to them. And so this is an area here where I feel that I personally want to know more you know, how we can make ourselves as protectors, uh, how we can make ourselves more valuable to our clients and be able to kind of plug those security holes. And so getting an expert in, in, an, in an area like this where he can say, hey, Elijah, this is some things that you or your team can do yourself, or this is where you really need to call in the big dogs and call in people who specialize in just this sector here. Because at the end of the day, ultimately, we just want to service our client. And, and you know, and so... There might be tasks that are too big for me, or there just might be something that, hey, I don't know. And so, again, I'm looking forward to this where you can have somebody that can share us some technical insight, but also can deliver that in, in kind of layman's terms. And I think one of the help me, but I think it also helps some of the listeners. So that way he can communicate that in a way that we, ah, okay, I get it. I like it. And 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 that is kind of what we're trying to achieve with the podcast, isn't it? Um, bit, a bit cheesy. Yes, I know. But we're bringing the pages of the magazine to life, right? But as opposed to, you know, there are lots of podcasts out there, but we're doing it more thematically. Of course, we will do some exposés and, and looking at people's lives and celebrating their work and all that. But but I'll, I like these thematic ones. And TSCM, it seems the work of James Bond and science fiction, doesn't it? it all these crazy listening devices that are coming through the woodwork, uh, literally coming through the woodwork. Um, I mean, what, 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 what have you seen out there in terms of threats uh, you know, that, that you've been noticing lately? Um, obviously, there are some very, very complicated ones, but, but, but anything that you've, uh, you've recently noticed? Well, I just know that, you know, in these days and times with the with the pandemic and it's the way it's changed the whole kind of fabric of how society communicates. So if you think about that, that means it's changed the way our clients communicate and it can change how that sensitive data that normally we can put restrictions on, uh, you know, maybe in the CEO's office or in the green room that you've already vetted um, at, a, at a venue. 
now all of those things are happening, uh, you know, at the home, at a coffee shop, you know, uh, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the back of uh, an Uber. So again, uh, I, I know that there are some potential exploits because of that. Some, and, and, and I want to see what's happening now and some ways that possibly we can kind of mitigate that. And again, be able to absorb that, transmit that to the rest of the team, be able to communicate that to our clients because they're also adjusting to this new world as well. So as they make that adjustment, we still want to make sure that we don't that they don't increase their uh, potential risk. Exactly. So 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 whether or not they are an individual operator or a massive group of operators, it still helps to know where your limit is, where your work finishes and the big dogs, as you put it so well, begins. Let's hear from Charles. Let's bring it all to life and let's learn about today's TSEM threats and opportunities for the executive protection professional. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. We're talking TSCM with our good friend, Charles Patterson, president of Exec Security. Charles, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Nice to be here. Doing pretty good today. Fantastic. Well, I'm here with Elijah Shaw, and together we want to get to the bottom of a few things to do with TSCM as applied to the EP and corporate security industry. So let's do a few quick fire questions. One where do you see problems in the industry? What is your biggest gripe with everything at the moment? It's a loaded question. At the moment, there's different problems because so much has been shut down. So we lost a lot of business last year. No, no conferences, board meetings went virtual, at least a little bit. So some are starting to come back. The industry itself is an interesting industry because it's often misunderstood. And that's the challenge that we face. Someone who's who understands surveillance threats, especially technical surveillance threats in the security field, tends to understand TSCM, technical surveillance countermeasures. In the EP industry, a lot of people understand it because their principles are concerned about information and protection. Even in other parts of the security industry, a lot of people don't have a clue. I was talking to the lead investigator of uh, one major company, and he said, but it, that spy stuff, isn't that old Cold War stuff? That, that, that doesn't happen anymore today, does it? And it's, I didn't quite understand where he came from. But then I thought about it. I realized a lot of people just don't have exposure to the nature of the threats, and they don't realize how vulnerable they may be. All right. And conversely, where does your enthusiasm for the entire sector actually come from? That question makes me think of a related question is what makes a good TSEM technician? And I, I always like to tinker with things. I had a ham radio license when I was 12 years old, ripping apart radios. So I was always curious about technology. Then I got involved in security which is very serious. So you, there needs to be a, co a combination of both the, the security mindset and the curiosity 
about technology, the willingness to dive in and, and learn constantly because you constantly have to keep abreast of what's happening technically and what's going on from the security point of view. So those things to me are, are fascinating. I find a lot of people who are maybe technically uh, astute, they understand technology, but they may not have the mindset for security to understand how it can be serious, how it can seriously affect their clients or a corporation or things like that. So, so, so what would you like maybe those uninitiated colleagues to better understand? I guess the, a key element is to be able to understand that the threats are out there and real, but it's also not a fantasy world. So these days, conspiracy theories abound everywhere. And one may think that we do get calls fairly often from people who imagine all types of surveillance going on, yet they have no reason why they would be under surveillance. They're just average people, but in their own mind, they've watched too many movies. Then you move into the, the high net worth individuals as well as the corporate world, and there's people who should have real concerns, but they may not see it. They may think we have our IT team. They've got all the cybersecurity defenses up and I've got my close protection guys with me all the time. So I don't really have to worry. But a lot of it, a lot of bad things happen, particularly with insider threat and a lot of other concerns that are a little coming out. People are becoming more and more aware of it these days. Insider threat is a good example. That's uh, a lot of people are paying more attention to that area. So I've got a question for you. When we talk about the TSCM, it seems like we have to now kind of, like a lot of things, reframe things into kind of a pandemic era. Because as things shut down at the beginning of last year, and more and more corporations and high net worth individuals and, and just everyday people move to communicating more virtually, just like we're doing now on Zoom, did that create more potential issues to be exploited. It has. It's also brought more attention to those issues because now the the CEOs are often working from home as well as the legal team, the financial officer. They're working from home and they've never paid close attention to the security of their home that much. In the CEO's case, perhaps, but a lot of the other people, maybe not so much. And this has always been a concern in the TSCM world where we go in and sweep the corporate offices on a regular basis, and they have usually pretty tight security. But it's less often that we're asked to actually come out to a home. That's only ha that rarely happens unless there's been some kind of an incident where they say, gosh, you know, you know we, now we better think about it. Would have been good to think about it on a regular basis. And that's become a little more of an awareness now that with all the activities going on at home, because the home is just a different kind of target, perhaps in some ways more vulnerable. I, I was just curious because you said more vulnerable. I thought, obvious question, how more vulnerable? Homes typically don't have uh, a lot of security around the property. Now, again, there are exceptions where there may be motion sensors outside or perimeter sensors, cameras on the outside. But in a lot of cases, telephone lines, those that still use them in a lot of cases, a lot of places still, <laughs> a lot of places still have them. So the old technology doesn't go away. The, there's new technology, but there's housekeepers, there's people coming to do maintenance 
at a home, oftentimes perhaps the homeowner's away, yet people can maybe able to schedule a time to come in and do some cleaning. And those people might be able to plant something. Or we were called into one residence, CEO of a major company, the house was broken into and they had security footage of people, two probably young men going around the outside of the house for quite a while, checking things out. And then they broke in and stole some thumb drives. Luckily, there wasn't anything valuable in the thumb drives that, that they got, but became a big question. What were they doing? Why were they there? And caused the security team to take a closer look at tightening up the residence. So when we're thinking about the fact that, at least right now, so much of the interactions of our clients and ourselves are happening in a virtual environment. So we're at home, we're, we're using Zoom or, or Microsoft meetings and, and, and to, to these virtual meetings. How do we communicate to our clients the need to increase the awareness of the potential exploits in and around the home? Like how, you know, what's the, you know, of course you can point to some examples in the broader media and show them this, but a, a great for instance, like, and you alluded to at the beginning of this, I was using Zoom before the pandemic hit. But once the pandemic hit and a, a lot of attention went to Zoom, then you start hearing the news stories that came out about the potential exploits and backdoors that were in Zoom and it forced them to beef up their security. And so then, of course, that was something you go, everybody started thinking about, oh, wow, yeah, let's think about how we're communicating and how much sensitive data and information we're sharing. But, you know, asking kind of somebody immersed in their world like yourself, how do you convince people that there's a potential problem. One thing to consider is where in the past you may have had a meeting room and five or 10 people gather in that meeting room to discuss things. That meeting room was the, the target that you had to be concerned about. Now those 10 people are each in their home. So, and each home now has the content of the entire discussion. So now instead of one target, there's 10 different targets. And so that's one concern to look at. TSCM has always been kind of the interface, for lack of a better term, with some cyber concerns, physical concerns, and common sense concerns. If you recall, a lot of the initial things that happened on Zoom were people just not understanding how it worked and making making mistakes, logging into the wrong place or not setting up proper. A lot of things can happen in a home where somebody, they may be on a teleconferencing call, whether it's Zoom or WebEx or whatever. They may be doing something else at the same time. They may have their cell phone on in their lap and they're, you know, maybe talking to somebody else, blanking their screen and getting on a phone call. Meanwhile, everything that they're discussing is going through uh, another channel. The home vulnerabilities, you have housekeepers, you have, again, maintenance people and staff in different types of homes and children. They may also be able to listen in to what's going on. And then depending on the subject matter and the topic, you know, it, it could spread. You might need one of those um, GSM signal alarms, but it'll keep on going off and annoying everyone. So they'll shut it off. But, but no, what, one of the things that draws me to this topic as an outsider is... Well, 
it, it sounds like a movie. It sounds like there's a lot of cutting edge technology out there that's going to, you know, surprise us or infiltrate something. But I'd be interested in your thoughts, uh, particularly on the exploits out there that used to be very costly, but now you can buy it on Alibaba or, or eBay or whatever for not very much. And um, I think people mentioned how the laser mics are now £1.99 or the, the special things that look at lights through the window. I'm just paraphrasing because let's face it, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but, I, but I'd be interested in the exploits that are coming through the works that are, that are perhaps now cheaper that you've got to be aware of. Yeah, the availability of technology, the, the advancements in technology kind of exponential. The stuff that is available now on Amazon or whatever, 10, 20 years ago, would have been outrageously expensive. Issues that we face in this industry is a lot of people think only of radio transmitters when they're considering sweeps. Actually, a not a minor concern, but it's just part of the concerns. There are, you know, as you, you well know, transmitters that can record information, store it, and then send it out at a scheduled time. If that's not transmitting, you're not going to be able to find it with a radio detector. So you have to use a, a lot of different tools and you have to get on your hands and knees and, you know, physical search, physical inspection. I would venture to say probably the major portion of threats and devices that are found are found during a physical search. Because even if you do detect a radio signal, you're still going to have to hunt it down. And these days, there's radio signals everywhere. Light switches everywhere. You got Bluetooth coming out of your watch. It becomes a real challenge to be able to discern what's legitimate and, and what may not be. So if I'm working full time with the team and, and I'm moving with the protectee and I've got some basic knowledge of TSCM, so I can look for these things, but I know I'm just limited to the scope of what I know now. So is that what makes the case of needing to hire a firm that specializes that? Like at some point they'll have to bring in the big dogs because I know I won't be able to keep up on top of all of the changes that are occurring. Does that sound right? That's a good point. There are a lot of things that an individual can do in executive protection. I took care of the radios. I took care of the technical side of things. And so when it, it came time to hire for a special event, I tagged along and, and helped check out. A lot of the stuff that an EP team is going to do anyway, if you're going to a hotel room, you got a couple of your team going in to sweep the room to make sure there's no hidden weapons, no explosives, whatever, no dangers in the room. But at the same time, they should be aware of the potential of electronic threats. And this is where there isn't some discernment needed. That's where it's helpful to be able to understand. There are many things that could look like a threat, but are not. And there are things that may look like it's not a threat, but may be a threat. So you really have to pay attention. And that's where having a, a, a team that you're connected with is very helpful. Most of our, our clients, we recommend regularly scheduled sweeps, you know, proactive. We come in on a regular basis, sweep offices or uh, homes if there's a special event. And, you know, nine times out of 10, we're not expected to find it to find anything. But we do find vulnerabilities. We may discover that, you know, air vents let sound pass from one room into another uh, or under the doors. But then having us, we've been on site, we're familiar with the personnel, we know the uh, security people that are on site. If something happens, they know who to call. Sometimes it turns out to be nothing. One of our clients, okay. somebody found 
a small little black box with an antenna on the floor in one of their, um, I think it was a workshop room with a, a lot of desks in it. And so they just called us up and sent us some photos. We started to do research and discovered that the unit was actually a small motion sensor that was part of a larger system. Uh, a company makes it to you know monitor employee movement when they're doing like a human resources kind of analysis. And with that information, they talked to the human resources department and discovered that, yes, they had hired this company, you know, a year before, and probably one of these little boxes was left behind. So it was not a threat. But you can imagine if someone finds a little black box with an antenna in the CEO's office, where's the concern there? So there's a lot of situations that come up like that. Well, well Charles, can I put words in your mouth or put a, a nightmare scenario out there? I don't know, one of the two. Everyone who has been vacating offices may or may not return. Let's say the company never returns. Okay, that doesn't apply. But let's say they do. Are we facing a nightmare scenario where we've had all these empty offices all across the world and unlimited TSM problems? Correct. Offices have, are, have been vacated. It's an empty office. Even before the, the lockdown, we would often be sweeping at nighttime in a large office and in comes uh, an employee with their family because they wanted to get a nice view of the city from the 41st floor uh, windows. They have full access walking around. Now, during the pandemic, the only people who have been in the buildings have been the uh, perhaps maintenance, maybe cleaning people. Yeah. Uh, and what do they have access to? We, we were in and uh, sweeping an office recently. And while we were there, a whole team of guys shows up and they're there to clean the windows. So they're going through every single executive office inside and outside cleaning all the windows while there's writing on the whiteboards, there's notes, there's all kinds of things around. So it would be very easy to gather information or to plant devices or to perform some other kind of malicious activity. So hopefully we've had a lot of our clients have told us once they do get back to the office, they'll be calling us up. <laughs> and we hope that they do because we haven't heard from them for all year. <laughs> sure. And the kind of piggyback on the end of that part there, you know, I encounter people that are that are interested in the profession and are, are trying to do a little bit of a pivot because work has slowed down in certain areas or they're just trying to increase their knowledge base and use that downtime for that. Uh, and so, of course, you have some that have an interest in TSCM. So my question to you is you've obviously been doing this for a while. Do, do you need a certain background to get into this heavy is it too late for this to be uh, an area where someone can pivot into and, again, get up to speed quick enough to be effective in it in terms of making a career out of just this niche in the marketplace? Making a, a career out of it is one thing. Learning about it is another. If, if someone starts to learn about technology, if they want to learn about radio waves, they want to learn about electronic and how things work, that's the best place to start. And if at some point they find it boring, or they find that they don't quite get it, then that it may not be the field. But at the same time, a little basic knowledge would be very helpful. There are schools, manufacturer-based schools and others, uh, and some of them have webinars going on that could be very interesting to learn about their equipment. I'm always interested to hear, even if it's a piece of equipment that I don't use, I wanna hear about it. I want to know how is it addressing some of the threats? Like you were saying, also, the technology is always changing. We're constantly facing new challenges, whether it's Bluetooth or other digital signals. We need to find ways of searching them out. 
more experienced technicians, I find, have a lot of technical background. Maybe they have a ham radio license. That's a good place to start, not a bad idea, because you could get the basics of electronics, which comes into play in, in a lot of ways. At the same time, someone can become a, a, a good asset to a, a TSM team or a good technician even without that. For instance, we have to deal with the electrical circuits sometimes, opening up outlets. It helps to understand electricity, if, if nothing else. But also being aware of what threats are out there, even the, the low-cost threats or the high-cost threats, and the non-technical threats, or uh, as we were saying, can voices in one room be heard through the air ventilation, you know, uh, those types of things. It's looking at the information. One of the things that I try to mention to people sometimes is that they spend a ton of money on cybersecurity to protect the data that's on their network. But all of that data began in a conversation somewhere, right? It all did. And so that's you know where the concern may be. It's not everybody who's a target. A lot of people who are targets may not be aware of it. Oh, all that data began in a conversation somewhere. I think that is a great soundbite. That is a great quote. I, I, I immediately wrote it down. It's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've been in, in healthcare facilities and they have shredders on every corner of the office because they're dealing with personal information. That's good. That's important. That's not so much where TSCM is going to be concerned with that personal information, all the paperwork that has to be shredded. But you move into the negotiations area, the mergers and acquisitions, the one company is being bought out by another. That's where conversations are carrying a lot of power, a lot of weight. And many times when we do find a, a significant problem, it's been not just an employee, but oftentimes an executive. They felt their job was on the line, that they were going to be passed over or something like that. And they wanted to get a little more detail of what's going on. And a lot of times they just aren't aware of the ethical problems that they're running into trying to, uh, you know, do, do some kind of eavesdropping or other surveillance. Uh, I've got one, and it, this might be a no-brainer, but, you know, as we now live in the Internet of Things, and as you find, you know, probably one of the most ubiquitous is you have the, the Amazon Echo, and you've got these devices that are always on, and it's for the convenience. And at the hotels, they're now starting to become standard. So you go into the high-end hotels, and they, they have a, an Echo or a Dot or you know, these right. devices. And, of course, the clients like the, the luxury of the convenience of them, you know, being able to just you know, log on with your phone, and you can hear whatever music or podcast you wanted to listen to. Do you have a strong opinion in terms of should we be campaigning to remove these things ahead of time? Or is it depend on the risk factor? Like, what's your thoughts on this? A lot does depend on the, on the risk factor. When there is a significant concern, one of the first things you could do in the old days, go into a conference room or a meeting room, unplug the telephones, remove the phones. I've given many presentations about telephone devices. Almost all phone systems have a way for them to be used to, to listen into a room. Um, they always have. There, it was features that people wanted, so the manufacturer put it in. Not for any malicious purpose, but paging, supervisory monitoring for call centers, you want to listen to your sales agents, those kinds of things, as well as a, a phone could be modified. So the same thing applies today. You go into a room, does this stuff need to be there? If it's not part of the meeting, then the best thing to do is to remove it. Numerous cases where things were installed in a room 
intended to be part of one big conference room. The, the AV team needs to know or they want to know. They don't always need to know. They want to know what's happening in the meeting. They may have to queue up slides for the CEO presentation or something like that. The microphones hidden in the conference room, going back to the AV room, uh, one team had put in a uh, wireless baby monitor into the conference room because they wanted to hear what was going on. And they may have had innocent intentions, but now they've been broadcasting the signals open to anybody. So there's a lot of, lot of concerns like that. I have a little echo dot right here. It's got the red light on because it's on mute. What's the history of the device? Has this been in my control ever since I got it? Has someone else had access to it? If you're going into hotels, who knows who has had access to devices? The simplest thing to do, unplug it, turn the light switch yourself. (laughs) Or to your point, if if music is is such a prominent part, bring your own. uh, Yeah, and plug it in yourself. Okay. I think that's a great question, Elijah, and I love that. And, and I, feel, I feel thank you, Charles, for, for vindicating something that I've been doing, but you probably, of course, didn't know. I always unplug the spider phones. I'm always suspicious of the spider phones. In a conference room, I'm like, that's, that's a high-powered microphone. Let's unplug it, you know? Also, even though the company has upgraded all their phones to voice over IP, they have end-to-end encryption, you go into the conference room and they still have an analog phone line on that conference phone. Not all of them, but we find analog phones all the time, uh, you know, throughout corporate offices everywhere. Yeah, that is suspicious. Every time I organize an event, and even in, in a big, big venue, they say, there's a phone there in the corner. Any problems, just call me. It never works, right? I always have to go and get them physically. But that phone, it's like, there's some other use for that. Phones are amazing devices when you think about it. The early phones that just take two wires and you have two-way conversations going back and forth on these wires. Uh, I'm exposing some of my technical enthusiasm (laughs) here. It's fascinating. And it was simple. So hotels everywhere have what they call single-line phones hanging on the wall that just have the two wires. But that phone has uh, a powerful microphone in it. And those wires now can carry that sound somewhere. We recently were sweeping a residence, the vacation residence. What I found was in the security apartment for the security team, for the, you know, they have a close protection team. There was a telephone on the floor under the bed off hook, which was just an average $9.99 Walmart special. But because it was lying there off hook, the microphone was accessible on the copper lines. And the, the phone line wasn't even live. It was a dead phone line. Runs through to the basement, then through to the outside and on down the street. So anywhere you could tap onto that line, you could now listen to the security room. So is that a concern or not? You know, <laughs> That should be a concern. So th- there should be some awareness. That's where someone on the security team sees a phone off the hook, lying on the floor. First of all, why is it off the hook? Second of all, why is it here? And then guess what? It doesn't even work. You know, it's best to remove it. I love this. And I'm really glad we brought you in to illuminate this uh, this topic. It's really bringing the pages of the Circuit Magazine to life. Charles, uh, what's, what's next for you? Constantly stand on top 
uh, of technology, trying to always keep, we, we came across an, a new wireless mic that I hadn't seen before, and it looks like Bluetooth signal, but it's not Bluetooth signal. Got to start to invest, you know, always spending time, figure these things out. That's one of the challenges. I differentiate TSCM practitioners in one way. There are full-time teams, people who work full-time in the industry. We have to constantly stay up to date. Someone still may be good at searching. They may be good at using equipment. But if it's just a part-time gig, it's hard to stay up to date. We're looking at 5G. We're looking at microwave signals. We're trying to understand where the threats are all the time. There are three reasons why people call us for sweeps. There's the proactive, regularly scheduled sweep. Just due diligence you know, for your company. If I'm investing in, in a firm and they don't want to protect their information or their conversations, that should be a concern. All companies should be looking at this when they're dealing with important information. Uh, a second cause for sweeps is special events, you know, board meetings, senior management meetings, uh, or any kind of the meeting that pops up that, that's going to be discussing, you know, confidential information. Third is incident response. When something happens, I think I heard you mention this in your recent podcast on cybersecurity. Who are you going to call? Right? Mm -hmm. You have to know someone you can trust, someone you can connect with. You don't want to just start Googling at the last minute saying, gee, is there, you know, there, there's a spy shop here in town and maybe they know. You know, uh, That's not the way to go about it. As I said, we've had last minute calls when something happened. There was a break-in at a major corporation, even though they got 24-7 guard forces, cameras on every door, badge access on every door, somebody snuck in and was stealing credit cards. Then they also, by looking at the cameras, they realized he also went into the CFO's office, but didn't steal any credit cards. So there's a flag. There's a red flag right there. Having a good team available, there was a, a, just, you know, one of the things we didn't really get into is the uh, voyeurism and the cameras that are popping up everywhere. Uh, I found a camera in one of their restrooms. And they, all the articles say they had their team come and, you know, not team, but they had their staff do a search. Okay, they didn't find anything. And then Two weeks later, another camera was found. <laughs> so now they're facing lawsuits, fifty thousand dollars each for from eleven different employees. That's you know half half a million in lawsuits for something simple. So you know, we had another large client where a camera was found in one of their locker rooms. So they called us up right away, and had us sweep restrooms close to a hundred different different toilets in three large buildings. And that was part of their due diligence. And you could see, because it hit the news, and it was in the news, and the, the, the news report says the company is now sweeping all of their restrooms. So they're able to respond honestly with, yes, we are, this was within a day of it happening, we were ready to do that. It's helpful to know, like you said, you wanna have somebody um, you can trust, somebody you can rely on, well, that's another advantage to the full-time TSCM team. You know, we're not wrapped up in some other kind of uh, task. We're ready to go. Well, I love that. And the Who You're Gonna Call mantra lives on. I've had some fantastic takeaways, but of course that quote, all data began in the conversation. I have to use that. I, I have to use that somewhere else. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this how this field develops, ranging from line of sight to more unusual, invisible stuff. It's just fascinating for me. Um, 
But yes, Charles from Elijah and myself, thank you very much for joining the Sega Magazine podcast. It's a pleasure having you. Quite welcome. What a nightmare scenario. All these offices really empty for such a period of time. What could have happened in the in the meantime? Obviously, if we don't go back to a you know full office way of working, then it doesn't matter. But something tells me TSCM is going to be the key topic of the moment. Uh, great to see Charles. Um, I really enjoyed uh, you know speaking with him at length. I've had him on a few events before, and I and I met him a few times at the IPSB conference in in Las Vegas. Um, it's uh, it's great to, to to sort of have his thoughts on this. Uh, John, how how did you enjoy today's uh, podcast? Yeah, it was great. I really get the sense that there's going to be a heck of a lot of work for TSCM specialists once the world goes back to normal, whatever that is, right? You just mentioned about all those offices that have been sat empty, and you can imagine that the phone might just ring off the hook. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it doesn't take a James Bond fan or a Mission Impossible fan to, to come up with some theories as to, as to uh, what we're going to be doing next. But um, uh, in, in terms of what's coming up, uh, I'd be interested uh, in hearing what, what have we got planned for the Sega magazine and the uh, BBA uh, Association? Well, I think you're releasing a book, aren't you? Me? I th- I, I will, you seem to have been collecting a lot of sound bites recently, and I, I particularly enjoyed the one that you pulled from this show. All that data begun in a conversation, right? And and I'm and I'm wondering when you're going to release this book with all these sound bites. Well, it, it's funny you say that because inside my notebook, I've got a every other page is something in quotes. Maybe I'll just you know make a compendium and 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 release them as you know heard not uh, overheard in New York, but uh, overheard on Zoom or something like that. Yeah, awesome. Put me down for a copy. It definitely will be self-published, obviously, but yeah, I will. Um, but but in terms of publishing, actually, what what have we got? Because we're still looking for some contributors for the next uh, issue of the Circuit Magazine, aren't we? Yeah, always. And there's a great opportunity at the moment for anybody out there who fancies themselves as a bit of a writer or, you know, just wants to share some of their experience with us. As you've seen, you know, we're opening up our channels. We're bringing new people in. And we've got a lot more people interacting with the Circuit now than we ever have before. So issue 56 is out at the moment. It's been a very popular issue. So send us an email, info at circuit-magazine.com. Tell us about what you want to write about and we'll get you started. Great advice. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a game changer for some people. You know, some people were not thinking of themselves as writers and then discovered they had a, quite a flair for it. So uh, so even if you're not a frequent contributor, we we do want to hear from you. Um, and, and talking about people who are perhaps not featured as much as they should, uh, save the date, little save the date, please. 4th of March in the UK afternoon, PST morning. Uh, we have an event uh, supported by Enablement Advisors. I have a ter- great friend of the industry. Thank you uh, very much. On inspiring individuals overcoming adversity. We'll, we'll come out with some more details uh, as, as we go on, but please do save the date of the 4th of March. Uh, lectern.live with a U. Um, we, we're going to have a, a very interesting event on inspirational people. So this week, we've had a fantastic look at TSCM, and it's been great to welcome Charles Patterson. This has been a fantastic episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast from myself, from John Moss, from Elijah Shaw, and the rest of the team. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you next week. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.